Good oral health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more. And we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Today, we're going to talk about vitamin K and dental health. Most of us think about the effects of key nutrients in our diet and their effects on our overall health. We're just beginning to learn the importance of vitamin K and its implications on our systemic health, including our dental health. The Healthy Mouth Movement is passionate about educating you and treating your overall health to the best of our ability. I'm sharing truly fascinating information as I learn it with you on our journey. Today, we're going to dive into vitamin K and how it can affect your oral health. Vitamin K benefits the body in so many ways, yet it's not discussed as much like other vitamins like B, C, and D. Vitamin K is known for its role in blood clotting. It helps us clot our blood. What you might not know is that its name actually refers to a group of vitamins that provide health benefits far beyond helping our blood clot. Our bodies are vitamin K dependent and they have proteins that cannot do their jobs without the case. The main function of the type of vitamin K is to activate proteins that play an important role in clotting our blood, heart health, and bone health. Although there are several different types of vitamin K, the two most common in our diet are K1 and K2. So we're going to identify the roles that vitamin K1 and vitamin K2 play in the body. Vitamin K1 is mostly found in plants of leafy green vegetables, and that is our main dietary source of vitamin K. It makes up about 75 to 90% of all vitamin K that we consume. It's been estimated that less than 10% of K1 found in plants actually gets absorbed into our body. This is where the problem lies. We are not absorbing the vitamins that we consume. Again, this is a topic for another discussion, but vitamin K is just another vitamin that we're not absorbing as much as we used to. Vitamin K2 is found in fermented foods and in some meats and cheeses. It's also made by our body from vitamin K1 in the food that we eat. Vitamin K2 is often found in foods that contain fat and it may be absorbed better than vitamin K1. Vitamin K2 funnels calcium into our bones to strengthen mineral density and fight fractures while it prevents and even removes dangerous arterial calcification. Along the way, it has beneficial effects for most every major health condition that we have in our present time, including heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, infertility, tooth decay, and also helping our children grow up healthy. At the present moment, we're still in the early stages of recognizing just what the benefits are of K2 and supplementation. So there's really no recommended daily intake that I know of. Vitamin K is a fat-soluble vitamin. Fat-soluble vitamins are much better absorbed when we combine and eat them with dietary fat. As I stated earlier, vitamin K helps various proteins in the body that are needed for blood clotting and building bones. Prothrombin 
is a protein present in blood plasma that is converted into active thrombin during the coagulation procedure. And vitamin K dependent protein is directly involved with the blood clotting. Osteocalcin is another protein that requires vitamin K to produce healthy bone tissue. Because of the differences in absorption and transport to the tissue throughout the body, K1 and K2 could be profoundly different and have different effects on your overall health. Vitamin K2 long slide chain allows it to circulate in the blood longer than K1. Where vitamin K1 might stay in the blood for several hours, vitamin K2 can remain for several days. Some researchers believe that K2 circulates longer, allowing it to be better used in the tissues located throughout the body. K1 is primarily transported to and used by our liver. So let's talk a little bit about heart health and vitamin K. It actually might keep blood pressure lower by preventing mineralization and not allowing minerals to build up in our arteries. This helps our heart pump blood freely throughout the body. So plaque buildup in our mouth that enters our blood system is what accumulates on our arteries. And K, vitamin K actually helps with the mineralization naturally occurring with age. It is a major factor for heart disease. Adequate intake of vitamin K not only aids in heart health, it's also been shown to lower the risk of stroke. Cardiovascular disease is the number one cause of death in the United States. So it's good to know that increasing your vitamin K will help. So bone health, there seems to be a correlation between a low intake of vitamin K and osteoporosis. Several studies have suggested that vitamin K supports and maintains strong bones, improves bone density, and decreases the risk of fractures. It looks as if there needs to be more research on this, but it's showing some great positive effects of what vitamin K can do in osteoporosis. Cognitive health. Vitamin K has been linked to improving memory in older adults. One study of healthy individuals over the age of 70 with the highest blood levels of vitamin K had the best verbal episodic memory when they were tested, meaning that vitamin K actually helps with memory. So how does it affect dental health? Tradition teaches us that calcium is the most important ingredient for strong bones and teeth. That's the reason for milk. It does a body good slogan. Yet calcium alone isn't enough to ensure good dental health. It's vitamin K2 working synergistically with calcium and other minerals that is mostly responsible for preventing and even reversing some cavities. I have more about dental cavities and tooth decay in another episode. Vitamin K2 and Activator X. In 1939, a famed dentist, Weston A. Price, published his research that provided a foundation for the future of preventative dental care and a guide to optimal overall health. For years, Price studied primitive groups around the world that lived long lifespans, had minimal disease occurrence, and had very few incidents of cavity and gum disease. Even though these cultures had no exposure to the Western world, modern advancements, and modern medical treatments, shockingly, many of them that Price recorded had never even heard of a toothbrush. I find that pretty interesting that they still didn't have tooth decay and they weren't even brushing their teeth, so they weren't even removing it. So that says a lot about what our old diet and the vitamins and nutrition we were getting from our food did for our teeth and bones. Yet one pattern arose in Price's research. Those cultures commonly ate foods high in a compound that Price had no name for, prompting him to call it Activator X. Once Price realized the impact of Activator X on dental health, he abandoned nearly all conventional dental procedures in favor of the system of dietary recommendations. He found that those recommendations led to straight, healthy, cavity-free teeth in most cases. 
Weston Price was primarily interested in this activator X because of its ability to control dental cavities. By studying the remains of human skeletons from past areas, he estimated that there had been more dental caries in the past hundred years than in the previous thousand years and suggested that activator X was the key substance that people of the past had that modern nutrition did not adequately provide us. Price used a combination of high vitamin cod liver oil and high activator X butter oil as the cornerstone to his protocol to reversing dental cavities. This protocol not only stopped the progression of disease and tooth decay, but completely reversed it without the need for oral surgery or cavities, causing the dentin to grow and remineralize, sealing what was once an active cavity to a glassy finish. One 14-year-old girl that he studied completely healed 42 cavities in 24 teeth by taking capsules of high vitamin cod liver oil and activator X concentrate three times a day for seven months. While we aren't certain what activator X was, the best guess within the scientific community is that Price was generally referring to vitamin K. More significantly, science leads toward the fact that vitamin K is most powerful when combined with A and D3. In 1945, Weston Price published a second edition of his pioneering work, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. He added a new chapter, a new vitamin like activator. In it, he presented evidence of unrecognized fat-soluble substance that played a fundamental role in utilization of minerals whose absence in the modern nutrition was reasonable for the increase in dental decay and other degenerative diseases. Although Price qualified a relative amount of the subjects in thousands of samples and dairy products that were sent to him from around the world, he never determined the precise chemical identity. And what he referred to as activator X has also been referred to as the Price factor, because that's what he found. Price found the highest concentrations of this nutrients in the milk of several species, verifying with the nutrition of the animal, and found a combination of cod liver oil and high activator X butter to be superior to that of cod liver oil itself. But in many samples he tested, activator X was only present when the animals were eating rapidly growing green grass. So grass-fed animals. It wasn't until 1975 that Harvard researchers took over Weston Price's research that he didn't finish before he died and realized that vitamin K2 wasn't just a different version of vitamin K1 with the same benefits. On the contrary, they discovered that the protein osteocalcin, which is dependent on vitamin K for activation, once activated, osteocalcin pulls calcium from the bloodstream into your bones and teeth to keep them strong and disease-free. Vitamin K1 doesn't have the ability to activate this process. So with a new focus on vitamin K and its specific benefits, it would make sense that doctors and dentists promote it as a vitamin nutrient and encourage people to get more in their diets. But that wasn't the case. In 2007, 68 years after Price published his incredible benefits of Activator X, researchers finally realized that most people in modern society are deficient in vitamin K2. The ramifications are huge for this, and as scientists believe vitamin K2 may have the potential to reverse heart disease, diabetes, and cavities, without vitamin K2, it's nearly impossible to achieve optimal oral health and dental health. For years, the focus of oral health was centered around calcium and vitamin D3. Both of these nutritions are important. Calcium is the basic building block for teeth and necessary to reverse and heal cavities. Vitamin D3 is a fat-soluble vitamin that functions somewhat like a hormone. Our body needs D3 in order to balance minerals and absorb the calcium we consume. 
almost 90% of the population is deficient in vitamin D. I'm one of those. Mine was critically low. And that's when I found out when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I had blood work done and I was low in protein and in vitamin D. And they also found that I wasn't absorbing some other nutrients. So many people assume the best way to protect their bones and teeth is to increase the intake of these nutrients. But what we've learned is that supplements with calcium on its own actually cause an increase in heart disease and the building of plaque. So sometimes if you get too much calcium, not only do you build plaque in your arteries, you build plaque on your teeth. And that plaque hardens and turns to calculus that has to be scraped off. So if we get that plaque into our bloodstream, that is actually what's accumulating in our arteries to cause heart disease. And that's another reason that heart disease is the leading cause of death in the United States, but it's also related to directly related to how we care for our mouth. So what's the problem here? And why is the remedy for one problem causing another problem and potentially a dangerous one? The issue is that we're focusing on calcium and other vitamins by themselves. And in itself, they can't achieve the desired results like stronger bones and healthy teeth and healthy body. Yes, you need vitamin D and A and B for balance and absorption. But even those other nutrients together don't provide complete solution. This is the main problem. With just treating the symptoms and not looking at the body as a whole, we're giving the body one thing without giving it another. So we really need to look at everything in the body individually for each individual person to decide what they need. Without vitamin K, the body's calcium might not end up in your bones and your teeth where it's actually needed. If it's not absorbed, it might travel to the arteries where it calcifies and leads to heart disease. So you can see how complex this could be. Vitamin D3 and K2 work synergistically to carry the deposit and deposit calcium to the teeth and bones where they can be properly absorbed. And when one part of the system is out of whack, the whole process becomes disrupted and it can lead to poor dental health, even if you're brushing and flossing regularly. So these vitamins play a crucial role in preventing disease in our mouth. If we have too little calcium, your teeth is susceptible to faster demineralization and can lead to cavities. Calcium deficiency during pregnancy can result in enamel deficiency or weakened teeth, not only in the mom, but also in the developing fetus. If you're not getting enough D3, you won't be able to absorb the calcium. You can also anticipate that you'll have a greater risk for gum disease, which is also closely linked to the development of type 2 diabetes. Vitamin K has benefits for your mouth. Number one, it kills cavity-causing bacteria. One of the main factors in the formation and disruption of oral microbiome. So we talk about disrupting the plaque in our mouth with brushing and flossing, but you can also disrupt the microbiome with certain vitamins and nutrients. Our mouth has trillions of bacteria at any time, both good and bad. It's the healthy bacteria that can help stop bad breath and cavities from forming. Unfortunately, it's very common for bad bacteria to multiply and crowd out the good ones. When we don't disrupt this process, harmful bacteria can lead to cavities, gum disease, and other issues. And that's where brushing and flossing come in to disrupt the bacteria that's growing in your mouth on the teeth surface. To illustrate the impact vitamin K2 has on the oral microbiome, Dr. Price repeatedly conducted a simple experiment. He treated patients with butter oil, very rich in vitamin K, and found that cavity-promoting bacteria was decreased by up to 95%. I thought that was amazing when I heard that. Vitamin K is also important in normal facial structure. One of the most intriguing findings that Weston Price documented during his travels was the difference the face and jaw structure had when exposed to Western diets as compared to those with an entirely traditional diet with hunter-gatherers, as well as Room Blue, 
In her book, she explained vitamin K2 and the calcium paradox, where vitamin K2 is extremely important during fetal development. When mothers don't consume enough vitamin K, the nasal cartilage of the fetus becomes calcified too early and could lead to undergrowth of the bottom third of the jaw because the baby's not getting enough oxygen through their nose. This condition is considered extremely rare, and it's known as maxillonasal dysplasia or binder syndrome. Dr. Kevin Boyd says that sometimes we're even able to see this on ultrasound in a baby in neutral. Nasal breeding from the mother, pregnant mother, is an important factor to how all of this develops in the child. And we need to start looking at this sooner in life at ages two and three and having orthodontists intercepted before the age of seven. Have you ever noticed a child that has teeth that don't fit in their mouth or they're kind of protruded, leading to a misshapen face or displaced or crooked teeth? This can actually be part of a vitamin K2 deficiency during fetal development. Price saw it would happen in children born to mothers who had previously had children with perfect teeth and facial structures. If a woman was exposed to a vitamin K deficient diet between births, the younger child suffered developmentally. But yet the reverse was also true. Once back on a traditional diet, that mother would give birth to another children that had perfectly formed faces and jaws, and they were able to grow straight teeth and didn't have cavities. The impact of our Western diet on facial development is one reason I believe modern dentistry had to turn to external mechanisms like palatal expanders, braces, removal of wisdom teeth in order to correct these things. We are no longer chewing and using our teeth in the same way and it's affecting our growth and development. And because we have more processed foods, we're not getting the same nutrients that we were. And if we are getting the nutrients, we're not absorbing them. So this is a huge problem for our future generation and something that we really need to be aware of and change and start looking at our diet. K2 also builds new dentin. The osteocalcin is a K2-dependent protein. Increasing vitamin K2 intake causes osteocalcin to work more efficiently. When osteocalcin is activated by K2, it causes the growth of dentin. Dentin is the inner calcified tissue of the tooth that is directly under the enamel layer of the tooth. When a cavity breaks through the enamel into the dentin, that's when it grows faster. But Weston Price felt that K2, the X factor, actually helped grow dentin and made cavities less likely to form. But he also noted that it required A and D in order to reverse this process and strengthen the dentin. There isn't much talked about that happening. Um, we usually just talk about the fact that once you get a cavity and it's broken through the enamel, then that's when you have to have a cavity. So I definitely think more research needs to happen in this area, but it's totally exciting that we might be able to grow dentin. Our body definitely does like to heal itself, but we have to give it the right things in order to do that. Vitamin K also slows tooth degradation. Similarly to how it impacts bones, it's believed that vitamin K2 helps slow the rate of tooth loss that occurs with age. In fact, when it comes to bone, K2 has been observed to actually increase bone density and mass. Vitamin K2 interacts with a number of bodily processes, and that's because of what happens in the mouth and in the body. It's not surprising to know that vitamin K2 can not only support total body health, but also oral health. What happens if you have a vitamin K deficiency? True vitamin K deficiencies are actually rare in healthy adults. It typically only occurs in people with severe malnutrition and malabsorption, and sometimes in people taking the medication warfarin, which is a blood thinner. Symptoms of deficiency include excessive bleeding that won't stop easily, though this could be caused by things other 
that a vitamin K deficiency. This is why it's important that you see your physician. Bleeding that won't easily stop is not something you should ignore. Although you might not be deficient in vitamin K, it is possible you aren't getting enough absorbing the vitamin K and in order to prevent heart disease, bone disorders like osteoporosis. It's for this reason you need to get an appropriate amount of vitamin K that your body requires. Blood tests can confirm if you have enough vitamin K or if you're in need of more. And again, I recommend that you talk to your physician before you just start um, messing with this yourself because all of these things are interrelated. And um, when I went through cancer, I started increasing some things that caused other things. And then when I actually had the surgery and had the anesthetic, the combination of everything they gave me really sent my body out of whack. And they thought I had an autoimmune disorder and it created other things. So when you're actually trying to fix one thing, if you don't look at everything and put it all together, it can throw the body out of whack in another way. And that's kind of what I'm dealing with recently which is why I'm talking a lot more about vitamin K, vitamin D, vitamin C, and breaking it up into different podcasts because it's important. It's important that you work with a doctor or a physician that knows how to put all of this together for you. So what is the right amount of vitamin K and how do you get it? The recommended adequate intake for vitamin K is based on vitamin K1, and it's set at 90 micrograms a day for adult women and 120 micrograms a day for adult men. This can easily be achieved by adding a cup of spinach to an omelet or salad or by adding half a cup of broccoli or Brussels sprouts to your dinner as a side. Consuming these as a source or things like egg yolks or olive oil will also help absorb vitamin K better. There's no current recommendation on how much vitamin K you should be eating. So it's best to try to add a variety of vitamin K rich foods into your diet, some of which include eggs. Egg is a very good source of vitamin K2 and it can be added to your breakfast. Cheeses like Gouda, cheddar, blue cheese, they contain vitamin K2 and it's formed by the bacteria during their production. Dark meat and chicken. The dark meat, the legs and the thighs actually contain moderate amounts of K2 and they may be better absorbed than the K2 found in the chicken breast. Both K1 and K2 are available in supplement form, although there's no known case of toxic levels more research is needed before specific recommendations of how much of the supplement should be given. Vitamin K1 occurs in high amounts in leafy green vegetables like kale and Swiss chard, and it's also in vegetable oils and some fruits. So you can have a cup of raw spinach. It contains 145 micrograms. You can have a teaspoon of soybean oil that contains 25 micrograms. You can have a half a cup of serving of grapes that contains 11. A hard-boiled egg contains 4 micrograms. Egg yolk actually contains 15.5 micrograms. 10 sprigs of parsley contains 90 micrograms. A half a cup of boiled collard green contains 530 micrograms. Hard cheeses contain 76. Soft cheeses contain 56. A goose leg is 31. Um, Butter is 15 micrograms. Chicken liver, um, if it's raw, it's 14. If it's pan fried, it's 12.6. I still don't know that I would eat that. And then goose liver has 369 micrograms. So you can see how different foods will give you different micrograms and can be beneficial if you add them to your diet. So what are the risks? There's no upper limit that has been determined for vitamin K and toxicity is rare because most people have a deficiency, not an overabundance of vitamin K. And if they do have an overabundance of vitamin K, they're not absorbing it. So that's why toxicity is rare. But taking any type of supplement can lead to toxicity So make sure that you talk to a a physician or um, 
a holistic doctor before you decide what amount you should add to your diet, especially because they can interact with other medications like blood thinners, anticonvulsive antibiotics, cholesterol-lowering drugs, and weight loss drugs. So blood thinners like warfarin are used to prevent blood clots. So if you're bleeding, warfarin actually creates clotting in the blood and it might block the flow to the brain and the heart. So that way, if a blood clot gets loose, it doesn't travel to your um, brain or your heart. But they work at decreasing and delaying vitamin K's clotting ability. So suddenly increasing or decreasing vitamin K intake, if you're taking these drugs, can have adverse effects and interfere with these drugs. So if you're taking these drugs, make sure that you keep vitamin K intake consistent day to day so it doesn't prevent problems and definitely make sure that you talk to a doctor. Anticonvulsants, if taken during pregnancy or while nursing, can increase the risk of a vitamin K deficiency in the fetus and newborn. So examples of an anticonvulsant would be Dilantin. So again, you're going to want to talk to your doctor if you're pregnant and taking that to see if they recommend consuming more vitamin K. Cholesterol-lowering medications interfere with fat absorption, and we know that we need to absorb vitamin K along with dietary fat. So it's necessary to have dietary fat with vitamin K, especially if you're taking these medications because there's a higher risk of vitamin K deficiency. Anyone who's taking any of these medications always speak to their doctor about their vitamin K intake. So takeaways from today. Vitamin K1 is the primary source and it's found in leafy green vegetables, while K2 is found in fermented foods and some animal products. Vitamin K may be absorbed better in the body and some forms may stay in the blood longer than K1. The two things that cause K1 and K2 to have different effects on your health. Vitamin K likely plays an important role in blood clotting, promoting good heart and bone health. Some researchers suggest vitamin K2 may be superior to K1 in the same functions, but further research is needed to confirm this. For optimum health, Focus on increasing food sources that contain both K1 and K2. Try to include at least one green vegetable daily and incorporate fermented foods or foods that are rich in K2 with animal products in your diet. And if they're grass-fed, that's going to be even better. Weston Price tested over 2,000 samples of dairy foods sent to him from around the world. He realized the physiological effects that correlated with the food ranking and the different ones were attributed to isolated vitamin D and began using the term activator X to describe the nutritional substance that he was testing and measuring. He observed that the vitamin content in the butter samples verified 50-fold, and when the samples were richest in activator X, were most potent at controlling dental cavities. The best way to ensure that your body has sufficient nutrients is to drink half of your weight in water a day. Consume a balanced diet with plenty of fruit and vegetables. Supplements should only be used in the case of deficiency and other medical supervision. Our bodies are a very complex system and made to heal themselves, which can mostly be accomplished with mindset, oxygen, water, food, and sleep. We need to look at our body as a whole and not treat just one symptom, but find the root cause so we can create and balance things that are off balance. And if we don't treat it as a whole and we just take too much of one thing, it actually can create an imbalance and set off a chain reaction. This has been my experience over the past several months. I created, I was doing fine, got rid of the cancer. And then with the supplements and mixed with the things that I was taking antibiotics and stuff, it just totally created an imbalance and it's taken me months 
to figure out what's going on. So you can save yourself a lot of time, frustration, and money by uh, following my lead and finding a practitioner that looks at your whole body and finds the root cause. And your mouth is a window into your body. So it's a good place to start to stay our healthiest, starting with our kids and their oral health. But if you're starting, let's look at your body and see if your teeth and gums are healthy. I believe that when you have bleeding in your gums, it's a sign that something is in out of whack in your body. And we need to figure out what that is. I knew that I had healthy gums. So when mine started bleeding and I couldn't get them to stop bleeding after a week, I knew that meant something was wrong in my body. And that's what led me to be my own healthcare advocate and find the cancer sooner. Um, so I am grateful that I knew about my mouth, that I knew that the bleeding wasn't normal in my mouth. And then I knew that my mouth was healthy before the bleeding happened. So I didn't just ignore it. I did ignore my hair falling out and my nails breaking, thinking that you know, I was just tired. But then come to find out, I was very low in vitamin D, protein, vitamin K, and vitamin C. So I wasn't absorbing the nutrients, even though I was eating them and taking supplements. So it's really important to have some blood work done, have blood work done yearly, even look at those cancer markers. They can do blood work that gives you cancer markers and you know what they are. We all have tendencies to have cancer in our body, but if your numbers are up over 100,000, then you might actually know that you have cancer just from a blood test before you find it somewhere else in your body. The question is going to be, where is it in your body? But at least you know that you need to look further and be your own healthcare advocate. So healthcare professionals need to be aware of the effects that vitamins have not only on your oral health, but your oral health to provide the best available care to their patients. So as the patient, I think you should follow your gut, seek professionals that treat you and don't just give you a protocol. Um, while we do have protocols for a reason, we have protocols in dentistry too, but everybody is different. They react different to medications, to supplements, to the care and how you take care of your body. We eat different foods. There are so many variables in a person that a protocol works to a certain extent, but we need to start asking way more questions. And as people who consume all of these products, we need to ask questions and find out what's going on in our body before we start adding supplements in order to have optimal health. So nutrition is beneficial. How we're breathing is important. What we put in our mouth, how much sleep we're getting, all of this stuff is going to be important to how you feel and what's going on in your body. So I hope this was helpful. Let me know what your key takeaways were from this episode and if there's anything that you would like for me to discuss further. And thank you for listening. A healthy mouth is a healthy body and a happy, healthy life. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.